0: Love this podcast? Head to patreon.com slash DATC media company to find out how you can show your support. It was really
1: the ultimate, like every step of the way along being an Umphreys fan has been like a lot of full circle moments from the meeting the band and being friends with them four or five years after seeing them to, you know, a few years later getting to go on tour with them for a while. And then, uh, however many years after that almost a decade later getting to play with them um you know it's just it's been very uh humbling uh, and very rewarding you know to say the least to be able to play with musicians of that caliber and especially musicians who had like a direct effect on like changing the course of my life as a musician and someone who thankfully gets to be a musician for a living
0: a member of the d a t c media family This is Dropped Among This Crowd, a podcast that dives into the music and community of improvisational, progressive rock band, Umphries McGee. Each episode will feature a rotating schedule of insightful show recaps, interviews with members of Team UM, as well as musicians who have been inspired by the band. This is your place for the latest news and happenings in the world of Umphries McGee, keeping you informed on what's going on or where you can catch the next show. I'm your host, Sarah J. Thanks for joining me as we dive in. Are you prepared for what comes next? Thank you for taking the time this afternoon to chat. I'm excited to you hear it. your stories and, and learn some more about you. That I said to Mike Greenfield, he's the only other drummer I've interviewed so far. Um Gotcha. I told him that it's one of the things that I really like was not only did it allow me to be exposed to different drummers that maybe I knew the name. But, you know, I wasn't really familiar with you guys in in your own settings. And then to get the chance to talk to you guys, too. Like, what other reason really would our paths maybe have crossed and you be on the show? You know what I mean? And so it was kind of a really cool uh, opportunity that came out of this this whole thing with Chris unfortunately not being around Um, so I'm excited to you know not only hear about your experience but find out a little more about you so um, let's start I guess from the very beginning talk about uh, where you're from and where your passion for drumming started
1: sure well, much like Mike Greenfield, uh, I'm from Long Island, New York, not too nice. far away from where actually he grew up. But nice. uh, I grew up in a, a place called Comac. It's about like, um, let's say, without traffic, uh, like an hour outside of Manhattan. Okay. Uh, or at least the New York City area. Um, and yeah, music has always been a big part of my life. Um, but drumming entered my life around eight nine years old something like that I think I got a drum pad when I was eight years old and then for my ninth birthday my parents got me a drum kit and it's always just been the only thing I could really focus on especially being a kid growing up with ADD Um, it was literally the only thing that not only I showed interest in and continued interest in but that like I didn't mind sitting down and focusing on for hours a day um, uh, and then when I was about 15 or 16 years old, my brother took me to my first jam band show, yes. um, to see soul live at, at, Ir- at Irving Plaza in about, uh, yeah, 2002. And it forever changed everything about the music that I listened to. You know, I knew some jam bands, uh, before that, um, just whether the historic ones or having a, a cool dad who played guitar and found out about fish in the early 90s. Um, but O2 was really the beginning of me like figuring out what it was musically that I loved and enjoyed and could find on my own. Um, and the New Deal was one of the the first. And then shortly after that in 2005, my friend, I was like, you got to go to this thing, the Jammies with me uh, in New York City. It's a great time. It's like a five-hour event. All these musicians got to play together, like an award show, but I'd say like the majority of it is music performance and went and had a great time. And that was really the first time I saw Humphreys. And especially Chris and promoting Anchor Drops was like, a huge game changer of just like, how much of a beast this drummer was and being someone who was really into progressive rock and heavier stuff that wasn't really being fulfilled in the jam band world, but um, but still was like, it was the first time that I saw a drummer in the scene that seemed to have similar influences or at least like a wide variety uh, of influences. Um, and same with the rest of the band. But that was really the first time I fully got like hooked on on Umphreys and started seeing them uh, religiously, pro- uh, I think is a good word to use. That's for, a perfect word. <laughs> for about four years. And then my life took a big turn. Um, in 06, I dropped out of college and decided that touring and being a musician was going to be my path and that I didn't want to wait. To do that, I was in community college proving to my folks that I could handle going to music school and them spending a lot of money for me to do so out of state. Um, and by my third semester, I just didn't want to do it. I just want, I was playing in a band and we were playing more frequently, and I was subbing for their drummer who was away, and I, essentially was like listen i want to drop out of college and just do this um can i be in your band full time <laughs> and oh uh yeah and that kind of started my life of being the new guy drummer in just about every band i've ever been in um
0: i love the yeah. big leap though you've got to take the big leap
1: yeah exactly yeah. um and it was really exciting to spend the last years of my teens uh into my 20s uh touring in this band it was very much not a jam band but if you cut to like four years later and like oh nine uh the band was kind of breaking up or you know members were moving out of state and we were trying to figure out what we were going to do and i was at rothbury uh music festival in rothbury michigan uh seeing umphreys and the dead and a bunch of bands pretty much like every band that i absolutely loved was there and i had an artist pass at this point i like just became friends or friendly with the disco biscuits guys um and on the very last night there is when i ran into the umphreys guys backstage for the first time and i met jake and at this point, I had also been a drum tech for uh, a couple bands or projects, and um, I talked to him. Was mentioning that I was in, you know, working for this band, Dillinger Escape Plan, and he was like, "Oh, you should talk to our drummer, Chris." And this was the first time that I met, him and just you know, had a a nice working relationship for the most part um, with him. Anytime they were in New York, we'd meet up. It was at this point, too, that I started deciding like, I had to make a choice. Did I want to play drums for a living or did I want to have a career in the music industry as a drum tech, which seemed to be working? I mean, even the people I wasn't working for, like Chris and some other drummers, they would call me for musical gear advice based on what kind of music they were trying to play. Especially Chris, you're we talking a lot about drum and bass. And live stuff, because I was working for this drummer, uh, KJ Sokka, who now is pretty known for playing in the super group Pendulum. Uh, okay. just a live drum based bass band from originally Australia, but really based out of the UK. Um, or if I wanted to just play music for a living, which is what I really love. Like, was it going to be hard to be on stage every night watching other people play music in front of people? Yeah. And I quickly connected with some philadelphia musicians and i joined my first like real jam band this band sonic's bank led very heavily electronic influenced and did that for a few years was still at this point super fan of all things umphreys and disco biscuits and uh the new deal who i guess by this point was starting to like break up a bit um And then, and take a little break, do other projects and such. And then in 2013, uh, beginning of 13, I left Sonic Spank and joined the band Greenhouse Lounge from Jacksonville, Florida. I did that for a little bit, but decided I don't know if I want to do electronic music so much anymore. The scene was starting to become a little... Grimy. It was the 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 bath salt era of.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh,
1: <laughs> Let and, us
0: remember for a moment.
1: <laughs> yeah. Only a decade ago, it wasn't that long ago? Um, and while at an electronic music festival, um, I saw my old manager Jay Rogovin, and he was looking at his phone, and I'm across the field waving at him, kind of like an idiot, intentionally. <laughs> And not knowing that he was reading a text message that said, hey, do you know any drummers? Uh, Dopapod is looking for a drummer. And as I'm waving at him across the field, and it was in this moment that I uh, found out that I could audition for Dopapod as their sub drummer. And I was very much looking forward to that as you know a, a fan of the band, especially the last album they had just put out. Um, they had, like really just got on my radar, and I already had the CD in my CD player in my car, just like constantly playing anyway. Um, so I got that gig as their sub drummer, and a you few like manifested weeks into... it.
0: <laughs> you were oh, listening yeah, to me, like I, manifested this this job.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of my. Uh, I feel like life is is that sense. I, I um, love
0: that. I love that. <laughs> which
1: is not special to me per se. But I do find, as I get older, that it's like, you know, manifesting these things, like, you know, saying it out loud, having this thing that you're going to bring to light, but then letting it go and just letting the universe do its thing, Um, where I I step in shit a lot, I feel like. Um,
0: (laughs) Hi, welcome to being a human. (laughs) Yeah. yeah
1: and i got that gig full time it was a dream come true um at the at the time it was the biggest gig i had ever had and it was consistent work and i loved the music and everything about it was great and did that for a few years you know the universe has a lovely way of working sometimes it seems painful but it's the right thing to do that uh that sort of ended but I guess I, I skipped an important Umphreys fact here. Um, we went on tour with Umphreys for about a month, maybe three weeks, something like that as their opening okay. act. Um, and that's where I got a little bit closer with some of the other guys in the band. Um, I kind of already known Joel as well. Uh, I knew his uh, wife, Dasha, from like working at festivals and stuff like that for years. Um, so there was a bit of a relationship there. But... Um, some of the other guys i didn't really know that well but you know when you're on the road with a band for however many weeks a month uh you get a little bit tighter with them and at that point too it was a huge dream come true to get to open up for you know a band that changed your life um and just be on the road doing that thing it's also nice to like play at like 7 30 o'clock at night and be done by <laughs> you know uh, sure. 8.15, 8.30, whatever time it is. And then you just get to hang out from 9 o'clock on and watch this band every single night. For uh, sure. And that was also the first experience of realizing the importance of the crew and company that you keep around, the Umphreys organization. I've said very vocally for years now is I think a really good role model for how a band should tour and how they should treat their crew and they really are like a family and those guys were very clear cut in what it is we should do and um you know just being a professional organization and the gear that you should buy and taking your job seriously and all this different stuff down from like the first day like rule number one don't go over on your time like we had (laughs) we had a trial run of a show in the philadelphia area and essentially they were like just don't go over and then you can open for us again. But if you go over, like, <laughs> if it's either end two minutes early or end a minute late, go two minutes early, uh, which is a valuable lesson to learn.
0: It um, is a valuable you can we just apply that to yeah. so much in life.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, yeah, it was a wonderful experience it was 2014. Uh, fall 2014. Um, and yeah life kind of just went on i left opapod um long story we don't have to get into that in this podcast i think most people know kind of at this point but their drummer came back um and then that's when i kind of made another shift in my life of i'm gonna move back to philadelphia Uh, at this point i i never really moved to philadelphia but being in a philly band uh it always felt like home i did live um with my bandmates in the old lotus house nice. they were there for uh from like 2001 to 2011 something like that and then we took over their house from them. nice <laughs> uh, which is interesting
0: <laughs> for sure that's a whole thing that we yeah. definitely probably need to get into at another time that's <laughs> for like the patreon exclusive people yeah. we'll put that over there
1: <laughs> exactly um and yeah so i was there for a little bit but being a starving artist and just not working that much pretty much i don't recall ever making money with sonic Bank. i just kind of lived on the road for free which was fine um and yeah so i finally moved back to philly being that like i needed to be in a city that was maybe cheaper than new york um i still wanted to be in the northeast and just having kind of roots in the philly music scene it, it seemed like the smart choice because philadelphia is an amazing city first off there's a lot of history and culture there's amazing yeah. food it's a great central hub in the northeast you can pretty much be in just about any major market in the entire northeast greater northeast area of the united states in like six hours tops you know For sure. Um, and it was there that I had immediately found work working with Tom Hamilton and we, he wanted to start a new band after really just doing JRAD for a few years and not having too much of an original project besides American Babies, which was sort of fizzling out a bit and he wanted and was his project. It was Tom Hamilton's American Babies and he wanted more of a collaborative effort again. And that's where Ghostlight came to fruition, a band that we had together uh alongside with when we started, it was uh Holly Bowling and Raina Mullen and Steve Lyon. And we've had a lot of personnel changes over the years. Um Holly left at the end of last year, the beginning of last year, we had uh Taylor Shell from Turquoise join the band. And now we're a bit on, on just like a bit of a break from doing that but i found myself immediately in that situation so philly seemed great i played a little bit with uh conspirator the disco biscuit side project for a little bit as well um or i did a show with them in 2012 and then when i moved to philly i immediately had a couple shows with them again which was really nice um and then at this point i was also playing in rack as soon as i got out of dopapod we kind of did a switch switcheroo their drummer at the time was fro who was the drummer of dopapod before me and then when he joined dopapod i went to rack it's a whole
0: <laughs> i love this. Thing. i love this it
1: was it was, it was pretty funny but <laughs> <laughs> um and then yeah um that's pretty much what i had been doing up until uh the pandemic hit. Uh, where uh, now I have another band with Tom Hamilton called More. Okay. We don't play that often, but we've had some cool opportunities like playing at uh, the last Playing in the Sand. I was going nice. to say last year, but I guess really the beginning of this year. Or no, maybe it was, yes, it was the end of last year. I can't remember. My timeline getting
0: time Uh, is such a mind fuck lately (laughs) it's
1: been been a long year um been a long
0: three years
1: (laughs) yeah and you know it's funny once again how the universe works you know my band's kind of on a break and we've lost all the you know different band members and we just needed some time to kind of rethink it all through and as i'm freaking out about what am i gonna do and play you know at this point we had been about a year or so out of like pandemic life you know concerts are like at this point fully open again and whatnot but i'm still not at this like playing 80 100 shows a year uh realm where like i kind of like to sit i feel healthiest at like 80 no more than 100 traveling shows a year For sure. um and i'm back in this i don't know what i'm doing next year and that's when i got a call to join uh the new deal on jam cruise and play with them which being, being a fan for 21 or so year, 22 years was huge for me, considering they were really the band that started it for me. My brother might've taken me to that soul live show, which opened up my world more, but they were the first band that a friend of mine showed me that I could not believe what this band was able to do. It, I'd never heard musicians play electronic music like that. I always thought it was just computers, drum machines, stuff like that. Um, so it was you know the thrill of a lifetime to be able to do that and you know especially Stasic being on the boat the entire time this is where like my relationship with Umfries has got even tighter because those guys have known each other for you know going on 25 years now yeah um so it was a cool experience getting to just hang with him and that whole team for you know an entire weekend some of the the most of the guys didn't get on the boat until the last couple days but you know it's just always cool there's part of me that's like i worked hard to get here and sit at this dinner table with and be a part of this band that i've loved for 21 years while also eating with you know the members of umphreys and then there's part of me that's like this is absolutely insane like i don't know how i got here A little bit of magic
0: and a little bit of hard work. That's that's how you got there.
1: Exactly. Um, So it's been an interesting ride with them. Uh, And then when I found out about Chris and needing to get some surgery, um, which, you know, I can't imagine what he's been going through with that. You know, I know uh, for me as a drummer, if I wasn't able to play my instrument for however long and you have this, you know, cycle of things that you go through as a musician with how many shows you're going to play and traveling and just finding a healthy amount. I feel like once again another Umphrey's business move of like they've really nailed down the how to be a professional musician while also like have a family and a life outside of it. And yeah, I just I had gotten a phone call about doing a show with them. And unfortunately there was some confusion with dates and I already had a show booked and as much as the fanboy in me was like, I need to cancel whatever I have and, and do this, <laughs> it wouldn't have been it wouldn't have been the right thing to do. So, you know, I was very appreciative. I told him I can't do it. That said, um you know, I've never been to Mishawaka and I just moved to Colorado six months ago. I feel like I would love to go see this venue. And, you know, if you happen to want someone to play, like I would love the opportunity. And they were like, since we didn't get to do a whole show together, why don't you play, uh, like a bunch with us? Maybe we'll give Jake and Andy the night off and you'll just get to play, you know, the beginning of the show. And, being the fan I am, I was like, okay, I gotta pick the songs that a I love, and also like I really want to like challenge myself to do the hard stuff. That when I hear these songs as well in concert, I'm like, holy shit! And I'm the drum nerd in the crowd who's like knows all the time changes and all that kind of stuff. And it's funny because their crew noticed this years ago, and they're like, if we ever need a drummer, we know who to call because um air drumming on the side and they're like he knows all the changes we got it if there's ever an issue we got a drummer <laughs> and it ended up working in that See? in that these years down the road so another universe thing.
0: manifesting it again look at you
1: <laughs> yeah um and yeah it was an amazing experience um you know i knew i wanted to play hurt birdbath and to junk and then i kind of was just leaving up to them you know what else i would do if anything else and you know a little change in pace plus no one i'd played it i don't think at that i don't think anyone played any of those songs the whole tour which was also part of like i looked at all the set lists and i listened to uh, at least chunks of each of the shows to be like okay what do i want to play that's just going to be different being a fan and knowing you know that there are certain songs I would want to hear. And also like, if I was following this, especially a huge change of like, you know, Chris is a beast of a player. It's it's massive, massive shoes to fill.
0: For sure. Um,
1: But that said, like, what would I want to hear? And I wouldn't want to hear like too much of the same thing. Even if you're not at the shows, you know, fans are always listening to the tapes, especially since everything gets released on nugs these days. Mm -hmm. And within like, you know a couple days max usually so um sure. uh, there was some planning involved and then woman one song came up which was fitting because the first um show i ever saw at the jammies was with huey lewis and i'm a huge huey lewis fan
0: you're like killing me right now <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then
0: of course and then and then, and then
1: to, yeah and then to pick a cover um you know, being a huge Huey fan, I was like, okay, let's do a Huey tune. And it came down to. I can't even with
0: this.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So it was really the ultimate, like every step of the way along being an Umphreys fan has been like a lot of full circle moments from the meeting the band and being friends with them four or five years after seeing them to, you know, a few years later getting to go on tour with them for a while. And then, uh, however many years after that almost a decade later getting to play with them um you know it's just it's been very uh humbling uh and very rewarding um you know to say the least to be able to play with musicians of that caliber and especially musicians who had like a direct effect on like changing the course of my life as a musician and someone who thankfully gets to be a musician for a living
0: Absolutely. So. I'm just, I love every last part of this story. I love this kind of <laughs> stuff, anyways. And my own um, personal story. And maybe sometime you and I can talk about it because I've shared it so many times with my listeners, but no. my, with my podcast and my media company and just where I am too, its it's been a whole thing. I've been an Umphreys fan since 07. And so it's very cool to hear your story because it's like it resonates with me on a different level too. So I just, I love every part of this. And I love what you said about choosing junk and her birdbath because Jajunk is one of my favorite Umfree songs. And I joke all the time on my show that I could probably do a whole podcast mini series about how much I love junk and just the structure of the song and how, in like, The 1700s, if it was composed on something else, it still would have been this beautiful piece of music. I feel that way about, like, Miss Tinkles, too. Sometimes I think about these songs. If they were written in another time, they still would be these huge songs. Um, So when I saw that not only they, like, open the night with *Jujunk*, which always piques my interest anyways, but that you were sitting in and that's where you were starting, I was just like... Okay. I see you. <laughs> I see you. Like you're coming right out. You're like, all right, let's go boys. Let's do this. I love it. There,
1: there was definitely a lot of intention in that, but also there was a moment a couple days before, cause I don't really play double bass drum too much anymore. And I've definitely, it's never been my strong suit. The thing about it is that to be drum nerdy for a second, like if you're not very comfortable and loose and you tense up, even if you can physically play that fast, let's say six, solid 16th notes across, whatever. That might not mean anything to a lot of people. But um, if you are tense at all, you are immediately like, it, w- it just won't happen. You need to like be confident and super loose. And so it took this like, okay, I got to break out the pedal and I'm going to start really slow and I'm going to work on these exercises and I'm going to copy my hand speed exercises and I'm going to do the same thing with my feet. And I-, I got really into it. But about a couple days before, I was like, I think I might have messed up like i don't know why i picked these songs to to play not only is there just a lot going on but it's physically demanding as well it's not just that there's a lot of changes it's that you know chris is in like full chris beast mode and you know i had to do a lot of like okay i'm going to learn the record and start there but then I'm going to start listening to different live versions so that I can, you know, like, get out of my head of that, like, this is how the part has to be played and not just that, like, there's some, there's a lot of freedom with it, um, especially with Chris. He's he's one of the more musical um, drummers out there, not only in, like, voicing around the instrument, but, like, mimicking and following a lot of what the band is putting out rhythmically, so... Um, but there was a moment where I was like, I think I need to call them and just like pick a, like, maybe I should, maybe I should just be playing triple wide or something with a four, four beat, you know? Um, but they were really happy. Um, I got a lot of compliments from the band. And at a certain point I was like, this is all like, I'm the one who should be thanking you guys. Like, yeah, I, I appreciate it. This is amazing. But also like, thank you for this opportunity to be able to play these songs. Cause like, I definitely had childhood moments of playing in my parents' basement to this, these records. So like, it's a whole, it's a whole other ball game to be able to like, you're in the band essentially, you know, actually well, te- technically you are in the band, but I mean, like, uh, it, I had a brief moment of like, Oh, this is what it's like if I was in Up breeze. Yeah, no,
0: for real though. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, they were, it was just, a wonderful experience i can't thank all of them enough for giving me the opportunity but yeah it was it was pretty fun the after for just like thank you and the fact of being able to start with those songs because it's like you were saying like coming out of the gate with that and as a fan i'm saying that not to like boost an, an ego and say it as someone who did it but like no
0: i'm saying it too and i don't i yeah. don't play you know it's just based on being a fan and loving the song so much and when i looked at it and i'm like oh that's an awesome way to start the night and then i saw you know it wasn't jake or it wasn't andy and okay let me, let me yeah i got more stage about and I, was, <laughs>
1: <laughs> I got up stage and i'm like wow i was just up there for 45 minutes that's pretty good you know yeah how it do was, you think uh,
0: that you were able to play these songs, I mean, you're so familiar with this catalog, and so you you know, like you said, the studio versions, and then listening to the live versions, you know what Chris sounds like. How yeah. do you still have these songs have, be like Umphreys, honor Chris's artistry and what he brings, but also bringing your own voice, your own style?
1: Um, I struggled with that concept for years as a drummer in general of like this expectation of how you want things to sound in your head and then trying to emulate that like 100%. And then when it doesn't happen, you like kind of beat yourself up. So I think my approach to it was very much like, I know how uh, these songs should sound and what I need to do, or at least attempt to do that. So I spent, you know, the week or whatever it was, the amount of time I had, um to prep the songs well at first i also had a long list of like i'm supposed to do this whole show with them down the line and i had been preparing for that um and then because of the date conflicts and confusion i didn't get to do it but ultimately when i was talking with uh joel about it he was like okay well pick you know 20 whatever songs that you feel most comfortable with and know and, and when i first found out about it the first thing i immediately did was like as, as i got off the phone i immediately went to spotify and i made a playlist of all the songs i started from a uh, local band and then I, I made my way up and that was the realization too of like i hope i'm not insulting them in that there's a clear scotty's a super fan and listens to all of these songs to like the direct timeline that my career became like, I need to focus on doing my own music and not listen to these other bands that I like as much. So I went from like, I know a good chunk of local band, but I'm going to leave off some of these songs. And I know pretty much all of anchor drops, but I'm going to leave off some of these songs. And then like, you know, same with, uh, bottom half and safety and numbers and that time period of stuff um and then i started getting to like the death by stereo mantis or whatever time period i'm probably a little off on the timeline here but and then it started to get like there were less and less songs that i felt super comfortable with but i still ended up with a, a list of like 40
0: that's still really good though and,
1: and i finally got to the Uh, writing back to Joel and being like, 34 is the best I could do. Just tell me which ones out of these. Let's go from there because I'm having a hard time cutting it down. Um, And then when I just had these couple shows, I was like, okay, I'm just going to focus on these songs. And I start with this process of like, let me listen to the song and try and remember little things based on memory because there are a lot of little things I want to tighten up. And then I start playing and then I realize that I'm playing how I would play it and not necessarily how it is on the track. And I'm not the best at practicing to tracks. I love playing drums and I could play drums for eight hours a day with a band, but like eight an hour of playing to other tracks and trying to have it like perfectly and how I want it to sound in my head. I get a little bored and I have these moments in and out of how much time I want to spend. But what I've learned is that at a certain point, I practice, I practice, I practice. And then when I'm like on stage, I have to take this notion of like, none of it matters. And I've practiced and I have to trust my natural ability and what's going to happen. As well as the fact that like, I've never played with Humphreys before. Like, you could be the best musician in the world and you can know a band great. It doesn't mean chemistry is just naturally going to be a thing. Um, but we did have a little bit of sound check, mostly just to go over making sure all the changes for, you know, especially her bath and DeJunk. I think that's actually all we did on stage for check, uh, were solid. And then you kind of just go like they're known for like being the best band with ba- uh, backstage band practice and really taking things super seriously. And maybe even sometimes coming up with an improv concept and being able to insert that on stage in that moment. Um, but, you know there's still a lot like uh i can't get into my head too much also ben has like you know Benakin from um from goose has like a whole show to play you know said after the fact there's a bunch of stuff they need to go over um ultimately i went on stage and was like just do what you need to do and trust that you are prepared to do this take the little things that you like about what chris does with these songs live that's maybe different from night to night or is now like a written part of the song but isn't on the album version but like a lot of fans would catch the differences try and throw those in but don't be so hung up on them and just let your natural ability happen most importantly be patient with improv like don't try to just like show off and you know blow your load immediately <laughs> for, for sure. lack of a better term for uh, sure no
0: exactly that's that's perfect well and i loved the fact like again i didn't know any of your history or that you were such an umphreys fan but the fact like i picked up on a small strides tease in the hurt Bath, and as soon as i heard that it kind of again kind of clued me i'm thinking he's definitely got a good handle or idea on the catalog in order for that to happen. Even if it's just for a little bit, I'm like, oh, okay. So even just your four songs, it piqued my interest so much to finding out more about you just based on your song choices and what I heard within the jams of Dejunk and bird Bath.
1: Oh, thank you. Yeah, it was, you know, I mean, I've probably, I haven't counted or looked back in a while, but I, I probably sit somewhere in the, you know, seen them 40, maybe 50 times, or probably closer to 40 times over, you know, since 2005, which is not like, cr- it's funny that that's not crazy in like a jam band super fan world. Like <laughs> only 40. But you're like, I've, I've seen only them on- seen them like
0: 40 <laughs> times. That's it. <laughs> yeah.
1: But I've definitely, like, I traveled to Jamaica to see them. I've, you know, went specifically to festivals halfway across the country to go see, you know, maybe there was a, a few other bands, but, like, you know, like, even Bonnaroo in 2006, as much as that lineup was absolutely incredible, like, Humphrey's doing Late Night was a big reason of me going to the festival, um, especially then, because I was such a new fan that it was very much, like, I found my, my purpose in life, and it's, you know... Sadly, not my career. It's following other musicians around the country and and finding inspiration until like 2009 when I finally was like, okay, I need to do this. I can't just be a super fan of bands.
0: It is. It 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 does (laughs) that inspiration. That's, you know, I I don't have any, I didn't go to school for journalism. I didn't go to school for podcasting. I didn't go to school for any of this other stuff. It just came out of a passion and, and wanting to have an outlet to talk about music and interview people and get to know other fans and musicians and it just grew to this whole thing and so yeah go and see the music and tour with the band because it's going to inspire you to do whatever your calling and your passion is
1: amazing yeah that's great and that's definitely what this you know what the music industry, or being in the arts in general, is really about. But even more specifically, the jam band world of things. You look at who runs the industry nowadays. For for the most part, um, you know there are definitely bigger people, and the older generation that came before. Um, the Pete Shapiro's and whatnot. But you look at people like that and it really came out of like, I'm a super fan and similar situations of the universe as a, an interesting way of, of working where you kind of manifest this thing and then all of a sudden it happens and you're like, how did that happen? And you're like, oh yeah, I... I dreamt this five years ago and I've worked towards this goal. So, or yeah, however and you, long.
0: and you do those things and you, you put yourself in those situations or you talk to that person. And you know, that's been a really interesting thing that I've discovered. The more that my company has grown and the more people that I meet within the music industry, it's so amazing how it's so connected. And this person knows that person and they know that person and how it just grows in this beautiful network. And it's, really a very cool and special thing to be a part of
1: yeah exactly
0: so I would love to know if there is an Umphrey song that you absolutely were like I'm not playing this song live um <laughs>
1: there there were a couple other contenders of things that I really wanted to play but I wasn't sure. Um, if it was the move and if I wanted to take on the task, at least right now in this moment, um, if I have a chance to play with them somewhere down the the road or whatever, like maybe that'll be different. But I know wizard burial ground was definitely high up on the list of songs. I had a
0: feeling you were going to say that,
1: (laughs) but probably not going to do it, um, (laughs) Yeah, I mean, honestly, that's the first that comes to mind. There was definitely a bunch of stuff that I wanted to do. Um, Me and some friends that are close with the the Umphreys crew or have been for a decade or so now, uh, we always joke about and love... I I sound like a terrible Umphreys fan right now, but it's Ringo where, uh, where Chris does, ooh, yeah, right?
0: Yeah, yeah
1: always do it it's like our big like if we see chris we're like hey chris how's it going Ooh yeah and i really wanted to do it especially to like sing uh there was no vocal mic back there and thankfully it you know it didn't i had enough to focus on anyway so it was fine as it is, like, I get to the big double bass drum part that I've been practicing and Jajunk for the last week or whatever to make sure that I don't mess it up because it's got, like, an interesting gallop. And it's not, like, per se the hardest thing in the world, but, like, if you don't play double bass drum, it's not the most comfortable thing to go right into the way that that section at the end transforms, like you were saying, like, the, the really classical section of of the piece at least how i view it it's like straight up something from the baroque period or whatever 100 um, <laughs> percent. but uh of course the kick drum mic like, started going out and doing this whole like weird thing and i didn't know like what it was on what end but eventually the kick drum just got like kind of cut out and of course I'm that's like, oh, what
0: it is on the recording
1: that's what it is on the okay. recording is, okay. uh, I guess okay. a cable got stuck underneath the bass drum leg. So every time I hit it, it was just like tugging at the microphone and they didn't know what it was. Um, so that's kind of what they figured uh, out. But of course it's like in that moment, like this is my big shining moment. I've been practicing for the last two weeks. I broke out the double pedal specifically for this section, but, uh, but it was cool. It was fine. Honestly, it it was uh it's those kinds of moments that I like and it's that stuff. I always say for a lot of people that it's not like the easy moments in life where things are nice and clean, you know, or being on stage where like you crush the song. It's like, or, or the improv it's, it's, uh, is just super smooth the whole time. My favorite is when people like shit the bed and then like somehow they're able to come out of it and it makes they this beautiful. They still
0: pull thing. it like, off. That
1: that, show, that showcases true musicianship, you know?
0: So. 100%. And also, you're like, not only did I still show up, this is something I wanted. I've been manifesting it for so long, and this goofy ass thing happened, and yeah. we didn't let it bother us. We just kept <laughs> going because we were after what we wanted. I love it. <laughs>
1: Yeah. So it was a wonderful experience. I like to say too that like my real career path and what I do is mostly uh, that I'm really good at being in uncomfortable situations in front of large groups of people. More That's so than a really than,
0: good life skill though, honestly.
1: <laughs> I, I know tons of drummers most drummers that I know at this point, I feel like are like a million times better than me, especially at like specific things that I wish I was really good at. Um, but I do feel like where we all stand in the same exact group together is that like, especially if we improvise a lot on stage, is that like, we're really good at just being uncomfortable in front of large groups of people.
0: <laughs> that means you're in the right profession.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: All right. So I have some rapid fire questions and it's funny. I'm going to have to get Mike Greenfield back on the show because we only had like 30 minutes. He was actually on his layover from the, from the tour to go back home and we talked. So I need to get him back on the show because we didn't really get to dive into a lot of his history too much. So we got the time. So I'm going to give you my rapid fire questions. So sure, we're gonna start with album that changed your life.
1: Ooh, this is really tough. See, I'm bad at this. I know it's supposed to be fast, but uh, I'm just gonna go with uh, the the New Deal self titled record.
0: Nice, nice. Okay, song that you wish you wrote.
1: Ooh, Stella Blue.
0: Ooh, nice choice. Okay, favorite meal.
1: Pizza. Nice. Boring answer, no, but... but you
0: can't go wrong with it. It's, it's a good answer. Okay. <laughs> and describe Umphreys McGee in three words.
1: Ooh, heavy, technical, fun.
0: Nice. I like that. See, you did great. You did great with the yeah. rest. <laughs> so what are some things coming up in your life that you're excited about?
1: Um... You know, there's actually some really interesting stuff coming up in my life um, that I am unfortunately not allowed to talk about just yet. But I do have some really big news and some changes on the horizon. Um, probably in the next few weeks, it's my guests. Um, at some point in November, it'll be announced. So we're not too far away from there. But uh, so kind of just, you know, keep a keep an eye out for that but otherwise uh i have a show in harrisburg pennsylvania november 10th with my band more tom hamilton and his older brother jim hamilton his old bandmate tom mckee from brothers past and uh joe Damico. it's like our pandemic project the one that played it uh playing in the sand for our third and fourth show ever nice. <laughs> which is kind of crazy. um and then in December, we have, I think December 15th, I want to say, uh, we're playing at Ardmore Music Hall just outside of Philadelphia.
0: Awesome. Awesome. And everybody listening, um, regular listeners know I will just link everything in the show notes. So if you have stuff you want to send me, um, you know, feel free to spam me and I can pass it along to my listeners.
1: Sounds great. Thank you so awesome. much.
0: Yeah. Is there anything else you want to? To add to our conversation
1: no i just i appreciate you for inviting me to do this this is a lot of fun and you know it's it's nice to talk about music and especially umphreys and our roots of fandom and bands that have changed our life and that we get to do cool things with nowadays which is crazy
0: it's crazy and awesome and uh life is a wonderful thing sometimes Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And I hope you have a great rest of your weekend. Thank you. You too. Take care. Bye. Bye.